This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've recently been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm your co-host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small, and our team of experts show you how to consume and shop responsibly by recommending world-changing products, brands, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the world-changing goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. episode is brought to you by podpronto.com, our podcast editing service. If you're looking for friendly, fast, and efficient podcast editing, you should check out podpronto.com. So if you're listening to this episode right when we release it, I guarantee you haven't gone 24 hours without hearing about the Super Bowl. With over 90 million people tuning in last year, and honestly even more folks hearing about what's going on at the Super Bowl because of advertisements, etc., it's hard to ignore the impact that this event has every year. What if we could use all of this attention for good, and what type of impact does the Super Bowl have on the environment? Lisa and I found out some shocking and extremely interesting facts about everything from the waste generated at these events to how stadiums are making a big impact on the environment around them. Whether you're a football fan or not, I promise you'll learn something new in this episode, and we hope it provides some interesting game-side conversation topics for you in between eating hot wings and celery. Hey, Laura. Hey, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. My earbud just fell out of my ear. That's exciting. That's that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reality. The BTS, right? Behind the scenes reality. That's right. (laughs) Well, we are super excited to talk about the Super Bowl today. Like at the time of this release, it's going to be just coming out. um, Well, about to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, People are buzzing about it already. This is something that is extremely culturally relevant to pretty much everyone in, in the United the States yes. and around the world, too. I, I would imagine that there's some chatter about it. Some, yeah, um, of course. Of course. Now, the international equivalent would be, you know, soccer. The uh, World Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, this is this is obviously what we wanted to talk about the Super Bowl. 49ers, shout out to them. <laughs> this is this is the main reason why we're doing this episode. No, That's kidding. right. Yes. Our team <laughs> is in the Super Bowl this yeah, year. So, so we're really excited. Although I have to say, growing up, my team was the Cowboys because I'm from yeah. Dallas. So I am always gonna have some um loyalty there. And of course, I did spend a lot of time in Seattle when I first got started in my career at Amazon. So I also have the Seahawks. So um yeah, I mean, I think this kind of comes into Um, you know, how we wanted to get started, which is it's really a huge cultural movement in the States around the Super Bowl. Um, And we found this really fun quote that we we, we wanted to repeat because it was great. Um, So 
there is a quote by somebody who was saying 70% or more of people in this country pay attention to sports. Big. And if you want that 70 plus percent to pay attention to what's happening on the environmental front, which is what we're talking about today, take your message about the environment, wrap it around an NFL football and throw a Hail Mary into the end zone. <laughs> I love it. It's, so, it's exactly what we're trying to do here with the podcast. You exactly. Know, to kind of fill you with relevant information since everyone is talking about Super Bowl. Again, how do we join this buzz? Yeah, and uh, let's talk about sustainability and environmental um, aspects of Super Bowl and sporting events in general. Um, yep. This is why we wanted to start about, you know, sporting events, consider, uh, sustainability considerations um, overview. You know, obviously Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in the U.S., but like Laura mentioned, there are so many more a bit large, huge sporting events all around the world, you know, starting with, of course, with the World Cup, you know, there's rugby, there is tennis uh, championships. So, you know, Super Bowl is just one aspect of this, but the good news uh, from uh, what the research we've done, the good news is that the global sporting community is responding or at least listening to all of yes. this sustainability chatter and, you know, um, their audiences and customers requiring uh, the, the sporting authorities uh, to be more environmentally friendly. So UN, for example, has a uh, sports for climate action framework. Unfortunately, in the kind of UN fashion, it's just what it is. It's a one uh, page on the website of, uh, you know, what they w would like to see done. Um, but uh, the good news is that people who are actually putting these uh, sporting events into reality, they're the ones who are making the, uh, the real change. Also, yeah. uh, International Olympic Committee as well uh, released a new guide in partnership uh, with the International Union for Conservation for Nature, uh, outlining the importance of careful planning of and design of new sports venues. So, you know, there is incredible amount of construction uh, happening for each Olympic Games, so for each World Cup. Um, so this, uh, this guide is basically telling you how to you know, set up sporting events and venues and hotels and all of these buildings in such a way that the environment actually benefits. And in some cases, uh, for example, during the 2012 Olympic Games, which were in London, if you remember, uh, the development of London Olympic Park was designed to support the regeneration of East London with innovative solutions developed to create natural habitats for bird and bat species within the park, which is very interesting because I wanted to give a shout out. We did have uh, the episodes uh, uh, episode number six was about the bird and the bees, right? And how their populations yep. are declining. So, you know, um, architecture and constructions of such uh, for sporting events, such as Olympic Games, uh, can play a role in conservation. That was super interesting to me. Yeah, I feel like that's something that most of us wouldn't think about when we think yeah. about sporting events. Um, and, you know, I really want to highlight the one of the points you made at the very beginning, which was talking more about how, again, conscious consumerism has led to many, many of the changes and the initiatives that we're going to talk about. Um, and, you know, the more that we can let organizers of these things like the Super Bowl know that we appreciate what they're doing, the better. Um, you know, the other uh, thing I wanted to give a shout out to was, you know, hockey um, is also a big, big deal here in the States. Um, yeah. Probably not as big as a deal in Canada. Um, but anyway, the um, NHL actually um, did a study back, I think it was back in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and they said that they, you know, they believe that their overall carbon footprint was about uh, 5,000, I'm sorry, uh, 530,000 metric tons of greenhouse gases a year, 
or roughly the yearly emissions of over 100,000 uh, cars. Wow. So wow. this is just like kind of giving us, if you're interested in understanding more about like carbon footprints and carbon emissions, this is the NHL. So not NFL, um, which is, you know, NFL is largely um, more um, impactful than the NHL in terms of like the number of, of uh, games and the number of visitors. So anyway, you know, I think we kind of want to segue into like history of sustainability at the Super Bowl itself, because uh, this episode is going to be a bit more focused on the Super Bowl. Um, of course, in the in the future, I think we can talk even more about sporting events. I mean, Lisa, you talked about the Olympics. I think the yeah. Olympics has had so much um, change right? and just just so much, um, you know, think about like even the political and the socioeconomic yes. things that go into the Olympics. So like, I would love for us to get into that. Too. I wanted to uh, share quickly, uh, we will link to, first of all, we will link to all of the articles. We did a ton of research this time, and uh, we were very gladly surprised that there is so much research and so much information on the sustainability of the sporting event. So we will link to all of this, either in the article on our website at brightly.eco or and in, and or in our general show notes. Um, but one of the articles I read, which generally speaks about sporting events, is from EcoAge. EcoAge is a great consulting company uh, from London that uh, if you guys know Livia Firth, the producer of the True Coast movie, uh, she's a great like influencer in this space. So this is her company, and they have like very very in depth uh, article on like all kinds of different sports and sustainability aspects of it. But like generally speaking, just to give you perspective, which for me like was like okay that makes sense. So um, generally speaking, you have a large number at the sporting event of people moving to a venue that is only used for a relatively short amount of time. To get people to and from the stadium in an efficient, safe manner is critical. And once they're inside, there are obvious impacts of the products you sell, from food to, uh, to merchandise, the efficient use of key resources in their arena, waste, water, energy, and the welfare considerations are often many thousands of employees and visitors. Just to be briefly uh, give you an overview of like what's happening at the sporting event, and then let's dive into you know all of these aspects at the Super Bowl. For sure. There's just so many pieces here. And like, you know, exactly. as you guys know, we like to keep these episodes to around 30 minutes as close as we can. Um, and so each one of these um, bullet points, um, very similar to past episodes, we could go into in so much detail. So again, I know we're a bit on surface level here, but the idea is you get interested in what we're talking about, head over to the show notes or do your own research so that you can kind of dive into even more detail for yourself. And I wanted to mention, if you uh, would like to give us feedback, don't forget, you can always email hello at brightly.eco and then uh, give us a shout out on Instagram and uh, in our stories and our posts, DM us and let us know if you'd like to hear about some specific issue uh, where we should dig deeper. We're happy to do that and we're all ears for your feedback. Absolutely. So let's get into the history of sustainability um, and eco-friendly practices at the Super Bowl. So um, to get started, around 25 years ago, the NFL um, had something called the Environmental Program. Um, and they started its Super Bowl sustainability efforts, um, actually with the Atlanta Super Bowl. Um, and so it, this has been something that the NFL has been really proud of and has been really focused on being what they're calling a responsible steward of the environment in all business areas. So that means they want to use the resources like you were just talking about as, as efficiently as possible. Um, they're also focused on minimizing waste because again, waste is a huge, huge impact of what 
um, as it goes into the overall impact of this event. Um, and actually, the NFL was the first professional sports organization to kind of take on this initiative at a large scale, meaning for the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, they there's all sorts of different factors that they focus on, but, you know, we're talking about food recovery and distribu distribution, so like food waste, um, recycling, waste management. Um, and then we also think about, um, you know, wanting to have a positive impact on the environment that the um, the arena sits in, so like you were talking about earlier with London. So I think this is a really great step in the right direction. I love that they started thinking about this even 25 years ago yeah. before a lot of this started to become buzzy. Um, and I think so you've got, you, if you think about it from this perspective, right, we've got the NFL, which is, you know, the governing organization of the entire football program here um, in the States. So they, of course, can pass down specific rules and regulations that, you know, the teams have to follow. Um, but one thing that's interesting is the stadiums themselves, yep. which oftentimes are not, you know, necessarily required to comply with some of this NFL stuff, because again, stadiums host a lot of different events. They're not, you know, just created for NFL. The stadiums themselves have actually been doing a lot to take on some of this work themselves too, because they realize, hey, as the people who are hosting the event, they pretty much are the are the um, you know where the buck stops in terms of exactly. making a lot of these key decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and so, two stadiums we wanted to give a shout out to was one um, one of my old favorites, the CenturyLink Field over in Seattle that is home to the Seahawks. Um, so it actually gets thirty percent of its, its electricity from solar, which is awesome, and also quite a feat considering it's not that sunny in exactly. Seattle. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's great. I imagine it was sunnier. Maybe they could get more. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there, there's uh, CenturyLink Field. There's also um, the Patriots who hail from Massachusetts. Um, you know, obviously we were all familiar with the Pats. Their stadium is making a lot of really interesting, um, you know, energy efficient choices, again, as they think about electric electricity generation. Um, and then there's U.S. Bank Stadium. They are doing a lot and as, as we think about LEDs um, relating to electricity. Also, um, they even take the um, effort, which I think a lot of stadiums do now, thankfully, is to think more about transportation, public transportation yeah. around the stadium. So, like, how are people moving themselves from, you know, the city to the stadium, et cetera, because that actually leads to a huge part of the carbon emissions that surround these giant events. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a while as we think about like what you personally can do as a consumer. Yeah. So talking about the stadiums, you're absolutely right. And it's like, it's the same uh, reason why I mentioned the UN, right? It's like, it's the yeah. very top of the chain, like kind of similar, obviously NFL is like lower level, but still yeah. it's a massive organization. And, but the, the real change happens on the ground, right? So that's yeah. why stadiums are absolutely critical. And interesting quote I found uh, online is that most stadiums won't try and do this, meaning, you know, all the environmental or recycling programs uh, when they're first built originally, right? because they just want to get the operations down. They want to make sure they get the food out before they worry about what happens on the back end. Um, yep. So um, it, it, it is a huge operation. So it's a huge operation. I don't know if I found the number of people like in the uh, average Super Bowl stadium, but what is it like over 50,000? I mean, it's, it's a crazy operation that ha has to happen in such an insanely like timely manner. It's probably yep. like everything is organized by the managers, you know. Um, but um, next topic we wanted to talk about 
produce waste at Super Bowl in general, right? Yeah. Approximately, um, um, during a typical NFL game, a football game, uh, is 35 to 40 tons of waste is generated at every single game. Super Bowl game uh, brings more sales, and which means it brings uh, more trash, uh, which is 60 tons on average, uh, which, you know, an insanely huge amount of money. But we have good news for you, is that 2018 Super Bowl number 52 was actually the first uh, zero waste big game. And what uh, when we're talking about zero waste, what does it mean? Um, I, you know, you always say zero waste, but it's never actually zero. Zero waste in this case mean, it means that 90% of waste uh, generated Super Bowl Sunday stays out of landfills. The remaining 10% will be sent to waste um, to a waste to energy incineration plant where it will be burned to create electricity, which is of course great news and great use of resources. Having said that, you know, when we say zero waste, you know. It was close to zero. It was close to ninety percent. Um, um, I haven't found like exact data, and of course it's it's tricky. Um, but basically, with every next Super Bowl, I think they're getting closer and closer to where they want to be in terms of um, you know actually being zero, uh, zero. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, that's a great point. And I actually I wanted to while you were think while you were chatting yeah. about that, I wanted to look up the the number of folks in the stadium because yeah. I thought that mm-hmm. was really interesting. So just looked it up. It looks like. Um, the uh, NFL requires the host stadium to be able to um, get at least 70,000 people into the stadium. Um, But what's even, I mean, that's a lot of people in one place. Like I'm a little bit of claustrophobic. That sounds like a lot. I've never been, although I have been to large scale football games. Um, I went to university of Texas. Football was like very baked into all that. I actually was an extra on Friday night lights one time, fun times. <laughs> but um, anyway, the um, even more staggering statistic for me was actually just seeing that um, the last year's Super Bowl, over a million people attended Super Bowl events in the surrounding area. In of the where, surrounding area. That's yes, it. in the surrounding area. And so I think that's really also interesting too. We probably don't have time to get into that, but this is one of the things where we think about what you can do as a consumer. Um, you know, there's going to be so many events surrounding the actual um, event itself. Um, when we think about any large scale event, um, it's it's good to just kind of adopt certain practices as you go to those. But we'll get into those later. I thought that was a pretty staggering number, though. The Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in terms of waste, it's pretty similar as simple. And um, I think you can get more into details maybe as you're talking about the Miami Super Bowl, which is happening uh, next Sunday, right? Is it next Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to talk about that? Because I'm, 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 I'm hopeful about this and how like we're progressively moving towards the goal, you know? Yeah. I mean, and the the goal is, you know, we release this around Super Bowl time. We want to provide relevant info for right now. So yeah, let's talk about the upcoming Super Bowl here. So Miami um, has the really interesting um, geographic um, implication where they really sit between the Everglades um, and the ocean. And so they, you know, the surrounding um, area around the stadium in Miami is just really ripe for, um, you know, environmental conservation efforts and things like that. So, um, but before we get into that, just to end on the waste perspective, because I think we were, we were talking a bit about waste a second ago. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that this upcoming Super Bowl has done, which I thought was really interesting was um, they partnered with Bud Light. Um, and they created this aluminum container for beers that are going to be served at the game. So you've probably seen that when you've gone to sporting events, like look at the bottles that they give you. Um, it looks like what they're what they're um, showing online is that it's going to be a bit 
Um, it's not going to require as much aluminum. So it's going to look a little bit more like a cup rather than a bottle. It's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the fascinating things here is we actually get asked a lot about like aluminum versus plastic versus mm -hmm. glass. And actually, when you think about it, um, it, in, in terms of the research that we've done, aluminum sits at the top. Um, if you can find aluminum containers that are made of recycled aluminum. So when you think about like throwing aluminum cans in the recycling bin, those are actually um, able to be recycled much easier um, than plastic or glass. So if you can, you know, find that type of reused aluminum, that's great. Um, and then next is glass, right? Um, so glass is made from, oh, actually, before I get to glass, I'm forgetting one point. So aluminum is actually mined um, in less than um, ideal circumstances. So that's why mm. it's not, you know, that's why it's kind of a, a moving target in terms mm -hmm. of trying to understand what's the best. But yes, it, it's, it's mined from a metal that is not necessarily um, harvested in the best way. So that's why aluminum isn't like the number one forefront here. Um, but the other thing is glass. We just, I just mentioned it. So glass is made from very natural materials. Mm -hmm. um, the issue with glass is that when you recycle it, it requires a lot of energy. It's super, mm. super energy intensive to melt that glass back down and get, you know, start that recycling process. However, you know, if you're, if you're using electricity that's coming from renewable sources, that can be something that's interesting. Um, and of course the clear loser is plastic. Um, yeah. there's so many different types of plastic. Most of it isn't recyclable. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again, over and over again. Um, so the, you know, the, mo the more you, you can re reduce your plastic uh, intake and mm -hmm. consumption is, is better. So I was, yeah. I was at the Warriors game the other day. And, uh, you know, one thing that always upsets me is like when they take my, I try, if I get a plastic bottle, I always try to reuse it as many times as I can. Um, sometimes like, you know, my kind of portable water bottle is a bit too heavy. So like, yes, if we know, like I do the same thing. If yeah. uh, if you guys know a perfect uh, portable water bottle, please let me know. But it always so upsets me so much when they take my plastic bottle. I'm like, no, I want to refill it with water. But no, like, uh, you know, because I, I need to constantly keep drinking water. So that that's always upsets me. And I, I don't understand what's the security considerations with the plastic bottle. Like, even if I throw it at, at the player, <laughs> I won't. But in general, you know, that's why. <laughs> well, you're pretty crazy with your sports, <laughs> yes, Lisa. So know, maybe you would. <laughs> hey, they probably know that. So they're like, oh, no, you don't get the bottle. That's so glass, funny. With glass, it's very clear, right? I mean, because it's, it's pretty dangerous. But also, yeah, like, you know, you get a, some, a drink in a plastic cup, whatever you drink, beer, wine, or water. Uh, you know, if you're going back to for a refill, just go back with the same cup. I love it. That's a great tip. Um, and you also made a pun about glass. You said it was like super clear. So I had to point that out. because. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That, that, that should kind of wrap up our discussion around waste. Um, yeah. Again, think about what you're doing when you're at these events. Try and reuse containers when possible. Um, and bring your own containers if they let yeah. you. But again, we have to think through like security and all that stuff. So make mm -hmm. sure you check with the stadium. Yeah. You that, that's um, oftentimes Yelp, I think is a really good resource. Like if people have posted reviews of stadiums, they'll often say like what was allowed and what wasn't. So I think mm -hmm. it was pretty interesting. Okay. Um, so more about Miami. So one of the things I want to mention that was really interesting that I found was um, the um, latest Super Bowl committee came up with something called the Ocean to Everglades Initiative. Um, so again, like I said, because of the unique position of um, the Super Bowl between the Atlantic Ocean and the Everglades, the host committee was like, hey, let's get together and do um, beach cleanups. 
let's um, talk about, um, you know, the community um, and, and think more about like how we can introduce environmental um, you know, initiatives into the surrounding communities. So they, they did all sorts of really interesting education events. Those are going to continue even after the, um, the Super Bowl is done. But, you know, I think, you know, the Everglades themselves, like they provide the fresh water supply for a lot of uh, people in Florida, um, over 8 million. And that area is really, really um, home to a lot of biodiversity. Um, and we think about, um, you know, the Everglades, the ocean, there's just so much information, um, so, I'm sorry, so many animals there and so yeah. much biodiversity that it's really important um, that they're making an effort to um, highlight this initiative when we, I'm sure it's going to be featured on commercials when we think about Super Bowl um, advertising. Just, it's gonna they're using this opportunity, right, of the Super Bowl to highlight. Like, it, yeah, it's great if they're doing it all the time, but like, again, aligning it with Super Bowl, it just like it maximizes the impact of this um, event. Yeah. And it's like the quote we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. right? This is exactly. a great time to, um, you know, you've already got this captive audience. How can you like, throw in some interesting details and facts to help people understand. Yep. Okay, um, so yeah, I think, you know, that kind of wraps up um, in terms of Miami's specific initiatives, um, okay. what we were thinking about. Are we ready to talk about like consumers impact on the Super Bowl and like what you can do and like what you should be thinking about as just you by yourself, what you can do? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. this is what, why we have the podcast. This is what we exactly. like to kind of make sure people leave with. So yeah, let's, let's think about this. So, um, so whether you're, you know, excited to go in person, so maybe you've, you're, you're just like a huge fan of the 49ers. <laughs> you, you're like, book that last minute trip to Miami. You're going to be there in person. We already talked a little bit about what you can do at the stadium. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about like everyone else and like the people that are at their house or like exactly. fans that maybe aren't necessarily there in person. I think one of the top questions that people uh, have, uh, especially if you're such a hardcore fan, uh, but maybe you cannot travel to the event, uh, but and you, you're such a hardcore fan of 49ers or whatever your team is, you want to buy the merch, right? The sports merch uh, that is pre-printed. I love that merch, right? It's like yes. one-time, collectible, all the merch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what happens to the losing team's pre-printed championship shirts? I didn't, for, for the longest time, I didn't realize that. So basically what happens, there's two teams at Super Bowl, but only one team wins. Uh, but... Um, you know, marketers at the Super Bowl, the, the NFL teams, they want to um, make money out of the excess of the loss of their of their team. So wow. both teams, uh, T-shirts and other merchandise, not just T-shirts, hats and all hoodies, I guess, um, they get pre-printed with, you know, their champ championship stuff. Um, so what happens to all of this uh wasted t-shirts that obviously not going to be sold in America because everyone in the U.S. knows who is the winner of this uh, year's Super, uh, Super Bowl. Um, so if you, if you have listened to our previous uh, podcast about the natural disasters, it's episode number 15, falling back to it, you probably know the answer what happens to these t-shirts and merch. They are sent to Africa and other developing countries. Um, so like we need to like pause on this because mm. this is something that I have never thought about and is like devastating to learn, but you're right. Like there's people making merch before the end of the outcome of this event is known. And at the end of the Super Bowl, we know, like you said, who won. So then we're left with this giant pile of crap. 
Yeah, um, exactly. And what happens to it, right? It's going overseas, like you're saying. Yeah, so in mental floss um, in Basel, um, so um, they, they were sharing, I think, about the, the previous year Super Bowls. So, so right now, the charitable organization responsible for collecting and handling this excess merchandise is Good360. Uh, it's based in Alexandria, Virginia. Before, it used to be uh, World Vision. So the Losing Teams Apparel, T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, will be held in major locations across the U.S. following the game. Um, 360 will be informed of exactly how much product is available and will then determine when the goods can be best, where the goods can be best of service. That's mental flaws. We'll link back to it. What upset me about mental flaws and Basel articles is uh, their positioning. It is it's a good thing. Uh, this, <laughs> these t-shirts will go to people in need. So just to give you an idea how much waste we're talking about is in 2007, which was years, generation ago, 15,000 wrong t-shirts were made. Just t-shirts, right? And that, and that seems low. Like if you think about exactly. today, probably, it's going to be so 50, much more 000. than that. Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. So my my least favorite part, and I found randomly this, um, uh, this fact, which again was kind of positioned in a positive manner that in 2010, after the New Orleans Saints defeated Indianapolis, the Colts gear printed out for Super Bowl 44 was sent to earthquake-ravaged Haiti. And again, listen to the previous episodes. Uh, but the point is, you know, Africa, developing countries, Haiti, they do not need uh, our, you know, discarded clothes. At least 70% of all the native garments in the world end up in Africa. That's why, you know, that's according to Oxfam. That's why, like, I always say, like, oh, it goes to Africa. Of course, it's not just Africa. Africa is a continent, not a country. But there's other developing nations that are left with our discarded stuff. But so, so this this begs the question then, like, as a consumer, what can we do about this? Like, is it better to purchase one of those items there um, and prevent it from going into a developing country? Or should people like take a stand and like be like, no, I'm not buying this? Like, what, no. what should we do? I think I would vote for not buying it because obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna sell you the the discarded merch right from the losing team because it's, it's just like okay nobody in the US is uh, is gonna want this so that's like, true there's yeah, not even a way to buy it no, yeah that no. makes sense mm -hmm. yeah so the only way for you to send a message is uh, really take a stand because like I for example I love warriors and you know I always walk by you know their store the stadium or just in general like like, mm, no, I just, you know, I am taking a stand. Like, I know that it's, first of all, I, well, I don't know actually how is it made. Hopefully it's made ethically. If it is, then I will buy it and it will be Probably not. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, I, I think to me, it sounds like this is, again, like more of an education and advocacy opportunity. So like, as you talk to people about the Super Bowl, as you talk to them about sporting events, let's maybe like bring up this like kind of shocking fact and like, that'll probably get people talking about um, certain things. So, okay, let's yeah. keep going on, um, you know, things that consumers can do to, um, you know, be a bit more ethical and sustainable surrounding the Super Bowl. So like we said, when the you're there. Can we talk what? about the t-shirts? Um, so my idea about the t-shirts was, can we get them screen printed right after the win? Oh, Is that's there? right. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't, I don't know that, uh, I, I don't know the technology right away. And of course, even if there's, Screen print. I don't. I doubt we can screen, screen print fifteen thousand, fifty thousand t-shirts, but at least for the team, you know. And but yeah. then it's it's all about the money. Uh, I don't think the Super Bowl uh, teams they're willing to lose on their marketing income, though. So that well, that's you know, the the one the, the thing I'll say before we move on is like we're actually in a world now where we have something called D 2 C. Um, you know, it's like or not sorry, not D 2 C. Um, it's a 
direct printing. Um, I can't remember what, mm -hmm. maybe it's D2P and that's why I'm getting confused, uh -huh. but there are so many um, online t-shirt companies now that actually only print the shirts when you order them. Um, so mm -hmm. maybe there's an opportunity here for some of those companies to like come to the place and do it at real time. Like you said, I don't know yeah. how those, those systems work or, you know, maybe people can be satiated by like going on, ordering something online and realizing that, you know, it'll, it'll get to them eventually. Of course, then we talk about yeah. shipping and carbon emissions there. So again, as we like to say on the show, there's a, it's not black and white. There's always a gray area of what to do. We're just having this discussion. Um, so I'm going to keep moving us along in the interest of yep. time. Um, but yeah, so we already talked about stuff to do while you're there. Don't forget to bring your own containers, use public transportation to and from. And actually this is a point that I wanted to make. Um, for the average consumer, um, the biggest footprint that you create when you are, um, you know, going to one of these games actually has to do with your transportation. Wow. So we can think about people who are flying to these events, oh, yeah. um, dry, I mean, whatever way you're going to get there is probably not going to be great for the environment. And of course you can purchase carbon um, emission offset credits and things like that, but it's still not going to quite undo the harm that you're doing. So mm -hmm. a tip could be, um, you know, try not to travel as much to support your favorite team. I know that's something people that are diehard fans don't want to hear. Um, and if this is like your thing, then I'm not telling you, you know, to not do it, but maybe yeah. think about cutting back on one or two games. Or again, or offsetting carbon emissions. I think for diehard fans, I think it would, it, it's a great, uh, it's a great alternative, you know? Uh, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that, that's a huge piece of things. Um, so maybe try staying home. Um, and hosting a watch party, which is our next yes. tip. Um, so I have the, I, we also, we found all sorts of really interesting facts around this, but for me, another like mind blowing one, other than the, um, losing teams merch, I'm like, still, I'm still like swirling about that. Yeah. Um, was that there was a really interesting, um, study done that actually in the, in the 2012 Super Bowl during, uh, during the 2012 Super Bowl, um, there was an electricity company that did a study to determine what happened with electricity consumption. Mm -hmm. And it actually decreased um, for this uh, over 100, 150,000 households that were in this uh, data set. Electricity um, use decreased, and they are attributing that to the fact that people are coming together in a group to watch the party. Um, oh, so yes. it's saving electricity because you're only using one person's TV, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. That's, I mean, that's, think that. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, well, first of all, we're all celebrating Super Bowl together, which we're looking forward to. And this is a super easy tip. And if you're hosting Super Bowl party, yay for you. But also remember when uh, the, the electricity turned off in one of the recent Super Bowls, I think after yeah. Beyond, like halftime show, maybe it's kind of like a marketing shtick that the Super Bowl uh, NFL guys can do. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, just to bring awareness. You know what I mean? That's yeah. What, maybe that's what they did. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? That's pretty funny. <laughs> but like, you know, if you're hosting a party, yeah. uh, you know, obviously your electricity is going to be used, but all the people attending won't be, um, you know, if you go to a, a, a local bar and that's always something that's nice to do in terms of um, supporting a local business. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, you know, hopefully that bar that you're going to has ethical and sustainable business practices. That would be like a plus. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually had an episode called enjoy the holidays ethically. It was episode eight that we did that talks a little bit more about tips you can do when you're hosting parties. 
Um, so definitely check that out because we talk more about like, um, you know, cutting down food waste, um, mm -hmm. making sure that you RSVP and then actually go to parties when you say you're going to. So that host doesn't have a bunch Bowl. of food waste. Yeah. Super Bowl, like, come on. Like I, I wanted to find the stats, but maybe we can do it after the episodes. Like, is it the, the most wasteful food event of the year for Americans? Oh, I would say Thanksgiving would, probably Thanksgiving. is. I don't know. That's a good one though. We should figure yeah. it out. Um, but you know, as a consumer, again, I think the more we talk about things that we're learning with our friends, the better. And so yeah. like, how cool would it be if you listened to this episode, went to a Super Bowl party and like threw out that stat about the, um, the unused merch. That's really interesting. And that like yeah. gets people curious and asking the right questions. So, um, I think we're, this is about all the, the time that we have. Um, hopefully you didn't listen to this episode at like two X speed. There's like all these people on Twitter that say that's the only way that they listen to yeah, podcasts, I'll but I'm like, I feel like you would lose so much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've never tried, but I was just talking to one of brightless cows and she was like, yeah, I, I, if I'm listening to a podcast, I like to do it. Maybe that's a, you know, younger people thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But, but it's, it's a productivity hack, but, but we put so much info in here. Hopefully exactly, you got it all. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot of info. And again, looking forward to your feedback, but also send us your Super Bowl uh, sustainability tips and tricks, right? DM us or Instagram. Uh, we'll share it in our Insta stories uh, leading up to the event. I think it will be a, a cool, again, a cool way to participate in the Super Bowl buzz. And again, shine a spotlight on the environment. Yep. And we hope you guys enjoyed this special edition of Good Together. Um, we will be increasing our cadence so that we can respond to um, more current events. And we're just super excited that you are here with us on this journey. So thanks very much. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And we're now live on YouTube. Just search for Good Together Podcast to get the video recording of this episode and more. While you're visiting, don't forget to join in on the conversation by leaving us a question through voicemail or giving us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the social channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.